This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hey guys, welcome back to the Revive Stronger podcast. I'm your host, as always, Steve Hall, and today I have WMBF pro Brett Freeman, a.k.a. Bathtub, a.k.a. Mr. Walnut Butt himself, Brett Freeman, back on the show, and we're going to be discussing his current contest prep. You might not know, he's currently in contest prep, and it's going to be an exciting chat talking about what challenges he's faced so far, what he sees the future bringing, and just digging into his pro mindset taking it to the natural stage again so guys enjoy this episode and as always as a reminder we are an online coaching company that is how we make our living and so we have many many clients that we help achieve their physique goals and we have a fantastic coaching team if i do say myself and if you're interested in leveling up your physique and knowledge do check the link in our bio in the bio and we can get a consultation going and chat about your goals and how we might be able to help. Or at least you can just check out what services we offer and get a few more insights into that. Anyway, let's get into the chat with Brett. Hi guys, welcome to the Revive Stronger podcast. I'm your host, as always, Steve Hall. And today I have Brett Freeman back on the podcast. I think this is our second solo kind of chats together. Brett's been on the podcast, I think, with Cliff um, before. And so third time kind of officially on the show, I think. Uh, but this time, much more talking about Brett versus I think last time. Uh, for those that don't know, Brett helped me with my kind of season last year, uh, kind of consulting back and forth a little bit. And so we talked more about that. But this time is going to be talking. It's Brett's turn, basically. So for those that don't know, Brett is otherwise known as Bathtub on Instagram. So you might kind of recognize that name. And you may recognize his physique more than his face almost, because I think your physique has become somewhat notorious within the natural bodybuilding community. He is a WMBF pro and a very good one. And well, it's, it's your turn this year, Brett. How's it going so far? How, how, um, yeah, give us a rundown of like where you started, where you are now and how things are going. That'd be fantastic if you don't mind. Yeah, no, definitely. So this is actually the first time I've even discussed my contest prep because I kind of get things a little bit under wraps. Just, I have a lot personally going on. So I'm yeah. currently eight weeks into my 2022 contest prep. Um, this is my third season competing as a pro. Um, so in comparison to how I started preps previously, I would say from a body composition standpoint, I'm definitely in a much better place. So that has always been kind of my Achilles heel, either as an amateur or even a pro when I debuted, but also during my second season during 2019, I always started off relatively, I would, I would say out of shape for a bodybuilder. I mean, especially compared to nowadays. Standards. Um, so I would always start very, very sloppy and it would take, you know, upwards of at least 18 to 20 weeks to at least see something decent, you know, in the mirror. Um, so with the pandemic, everything post 2019 worlds, I kind of set out and set down some boundaries just in regards to the offseason. So I had a certain body composition I did not want to exceed. Now, obviously, I, I, I drove body weight up a little bit, 180s held there um, for the majority of my improvement offseason. Um, but I ensured that body composition did not get to 
far gone to the point that I would have to sprinkle in mini cuts. Um, so throughout the entire two and a half, three year off season, I didn't um, embark on any mini cuts. So I didn't necessarily need a pre-prep phase or anything of that matter prior to initiating this um, contest prep um, in which I decided to hire Cliff from the beginning. Um, so that's another differentiating aspect from the previous preps. I always self-coached myself. Um, it wasn't up until the final six to eight weeks from 2019 Worlds where I was pretty much just mentally gone. Diet fatigue was too high. I lost all sense of you know objectivity. So I'm like, all right, Cliff, I'm like, I'm gonna give you the keys here. Um, so after consulting with my wife and a few other people, um, I decided at the start of you know this season I would just give Cliff the keys from you know the go, and it's it's been a lot easier. I I, I would definitely say it's just been a lot easier just from being you know here shoot and or he points I shoot type of thing. Um, completely eliminated you know having to play coach myself and then on top of that you know having a job uh, coaching online um it just it's made the process so much smoother so much easier not as much second guessing you know i'm not emailing myself playing coach so things are going pretty smooth um i'm currently eight weeks in um i will admit though this has probably been the most stubborn my body has ever been which i, I was just joking with cliff about it yesterday during uh check-ins like yeah we are releasing that consistent of a rate of loss things are a little bit non-linear as as to be expected during a contest prep but my body just does not seem to want to go into the 160 but pros and cons you know aside i think the biggest pro is in terms of lean body tissue i, I definitely have tacked on a lot more size so mission successful now that's not saying i'm not going to be a band weight but i'm kind of hoping i added at least a pound you know of, of size to my frame <laughs> And you wanted yeah. to get more conditioned as well, didn't you? Like you were like, I, <laughs> I bet everyone you say that to must be like, what, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Where are I you do. getting this condition from? <laughs> I do. I do actually. And I know that might sound insane to some, but I don't know if many know, like the talent of my 2019 prep, I really felt like I was over dieted to some extent. And I, I feel as if I sacrificed one fullness but also a little bit of size getting into that condition just because I wasn't as strategic in my opinion, you know, during that prep since I was self-coaching myself and then I decided to hop over the cliff. Um, so this year I am hoping, you know, with a little bit more um, strategy to dial conditioning and just ever so slightly try to capitalize on that Whitaker conditioning that I, and I want to continue pushing the envelope further and further and further. So. Yeah, absolutely. That uh, I guess uh, that's the hard. We've well, we've spoken about it a lot. I think even outside of the podcast, and I, I've seen posts of yours before. And that's kind of when you're at the level of kind of condition that you're gunning for. And what I was previously trying to gun for, you do do run that line of like, can I make up this? Have I lost fullness that I can make up through refeeding or maybe even reverse kind of dieting into shows like Dirk uh, kind of went through last season that yes. we've spoken about on this podcast that maybe people have heard about? Or am I actually losing kind of like muscle tissue at this point? Like, and I'm actually like sacrificing uh, because as you know, Brett, like shredded glutes don't win shows anymore. Uh, they maybe at no. one point were winning shows because yep. they were kind of unique. Whereas now it's like, I don't know every other guy's coming up with like some lines in his glutes so they're not that special yeah. anymore so now you need like and i think you would call it like being that complete bodybuilder 
Yeah, no, I agree 100%. And that's something I'm, I'm starting to realize and kind of accept. And I do think the upcoming bodybuilders are, are going to be better than me. I, I definitely think the batting class too. I just think the potential for this sport is just absolutely insane. And I, I think the shredded glutes, you know, circa 2012, 2015, 2017, even 2019, like that was three years ago. So that conditioning is almost like a, a thing of the past. Like it's almost the norm almost nowadays. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say like the criteria has overall changed, but I just think the standards and expectations of the athletes have increased. Therefore, you know, more of a complete package, like a dirt or, um, I can't remember exactly the name of the guy who won last year, but he just had everything like that. I don't know if many, uh, listeners right now watched the pro ranks of worlds last year, but Brian Whitaker didn't even place. And that's the most insane thing to think of, like considering that's, you know, somebody who I idolized growing up and who I consider the epitome of bodybuilding from also, you know, conditioning, but also symmetry and muscularity standpoint. Um, I just think things have leveled up in, in, insanely. So, and, you know, you had the AJs, you had the Chris McCready's that are just resetting the standards or even the dirt. Yeah. And it's, it's unreal. <laughs> it, it is. And I think some people, unless you're a competitor, you don't necessarily see it. I have clients who like, I don't know, even last year, they watched some of my shows, maybe or watch the lineup. They're like, man, I couldn't pick apart like the top five. And it's because there's tiny differences. I just literally posted a shots up with Dirk and I'm like, oh man, like I can hold my own a little bit, but he is better than I am as a bodybuilder, like objectively. But unless you know, like you, it's small things now, there's a lot of very good people. And so yeah. like your off season now is where it's going to have been like, is it, have you leveled up enough to kind of play with the big boys still and uh, be as kind of such a powerful force as you were previous? And I guess, is that your focus or what's your focus? What are you focusing on these last like, eight weeks as you go forward? What do you focus on? Because I know you said like you've got a lot of stuff in your life going on. You've got Cliff in your corner. So now what as an athlete do you focus on? Really good question. Um, so to be honest with you, and I don't know if I've ever really, I may have touched base on this in like my 2019, I did like a recap video, but um, I think especially after winning like my second world title, um, I realized that it, it doesn't get easy. Even after my first, I knew it didn't get easier. And it's almost like one, and I understand it's a you versus you thing at the end of the day, like journey. I 100% agree there. But when it comes to sport, being competitive, I definitely think you kind of have to have that like talk with yourself just in regards to how much you are willing to pour into the off season, but also prep. And I knew exiting, you know, the 2019 stage that my, my biggest downfall, my biggest Achilles heel, heel has always been not having enough, you know, consistency throughout my off seasons. So like during 2017, 2019, I had tons of months where I didn't really train. And so I had that like really, really hard talk with myself. And I'm like, if you want to continue to level up in this sport, if you want to continue one being relevant, but two continue to be a competitive pro, even despite winning a world title, like you have to put in a hundred to 110% during the off season. And that's something that I, I continued to carry on during my off season, since stepping off that stage, even with the pandemic, you know, being thrown at me. Um, so everything that I had written out for myself, you know, post worlds, I stuck to, and I, I, I want to say it's like one of the first times since, you know, 2009, 2011, that I really um, had a consistent, but 
great environment despite everything that was going on and i'm proud of it and i and i definitely think i did in fact level up to the point that i can't hang with maybe another lightweight class um am i 100 percent confident in that yes and no um but i definitely think i've made improvements that would you know warrant being able to get compared to a top five or even a top three uh, but the goal, you know, still remains the goal. And I know it might sound crazy to most, but every season, every show that I enter, I just want to place top five, top five, top three. Just, you know, given how much this sport has leveled up and evolved, you know, since 2019. Um, now, is that to say that I can continue doing it forever? I don't know. But the competitive nature inside of me, like, I'm, I'm not going to stop. So that's that's what fuels me. It's. It's one, I would love to win another world title, but, you know, deep inside, I just want to continue to improve, continue to get better and just see if I can, you know, stack up and compete against the best of the best. Now, whether that's, you know, me losing or winning, I mean, I, I compete just to compete just due to being super competitive at the end of the day. So I, I love that kind of explanation of your off season as well, because I think people will be able to relate to that and. Yeah. I'm always, I mean, we have the Improvement Season podcast and it's named as such for a reason because like you don't, uh, unless you screwed up, like, or not screwed up, maybe you didn't do some things right dieting down to stage. The biggest yes. improvements you're going to make is in that off season period. So that's, it was super interesting to hear actually that you said you didn't, t- I wanted to ask about this actually was you didn't take any mini cuts. So did you, were you in a surplus that whole time gaining weight or did you have extended periods of time where you just kind of hold or body weight and just gym performance was kind of what you were shooting for yeah so um if i can if memory serves correct, so like post post worlds obviously recovery diets for about three months pandemic hit home gym and then from yeah it was like i want to say june 2020 up until january of this year like it was a straight surplus but then when i started working with helms um for powerlifting this will be kind of uh, switch gears a little bit um, from a training perspective because I was debating on dabbling in powerlifting just to you know keep that competitive edge you know ticked. Um, I more or less I was holding um, all reins to my nutrition at that point. Um, it was more or less gain training at that point. So moderate surplus um, training days. You know I would eat to satiety. I would more or less be in a surplus, and then you know non-training days I would just you know intuitively eat. So body weight more or less just hovered maintained um throughout the 180s and then if i would um during like a more aggressive block i would push calories a little bit for more of like a hypertrophy block where we would just peel off i would you know go back down to maintenance and just monitor visuals but then also body composition and then also scale weights uh once or twice a week no, that's that's interesting to hear about then. I guess it wasn't it sounds like a long time since when you last competed, but actually when you kind of again, if you have some periods of time where you're more f- so focused on powerlifting and strength, it makes sense. The volume's not there, the focus is more s- specific towards that. So there's n- yes. no point being in a big surplus at that point. So that's really cool. What actually I, I should know this off the top of my head, but um the bantam weight is so far away from my my weight that I don't actually know what the <laughs> what the weight uh competing. So what is your typical stage weight actually? So you went up to one 80 and you compete at roughly or you used to compete at maybe it's going to be higher now uh so my most depleted weight with lift was like it was like 143 144 but that was super dehydrated super depleted i i was probably around 146 on stage 145 146 
And my, my body weight, my, my stage weight hasn't really changed that much, which is, I was actually just talking with Cliff about that since I've, you know, monitored Brian Whitaker's career his entire life. His stage weight hasn't moved that much either. And so he did make mention that like, we're probably looking at like a one to two pounds gain of, you know, lean tissue, but you're probably going to be at the same stage weight. I'm like, I figured as much, but okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm find... hoping. Sorry. Go on. Oh, no, I'm, I'm just hoping for like a 145, maybe 147 to almost yep. get out of that damn Bantam class. <laughs> <laughs> Is 145 the Bantams? It's, I believe, 148.5. Okay. Is the yeah, so I have a little bit of room to play with. Okay. I, I guess competitively, it'd be better to be at the top end of that class than jump into the lightweights and be the lightest dude on there maybe yeah yeah it's it, yeah it the only downside is i'm the tallest person in the bantam class i don't know if you've uh, seen pictures yeah, but yeah 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 teddy and i are kind of like giants in that class so. and you're like five eight nine or five, uh, like seven? five six on a good okay. day five seven <laughs> I'm again I'm like I'm so far just average so I'm like middleweight middle height so I'm like how yeah. cool even is like Dirk I, I obviously stood next to Dirk and I know he's like a, yeah. he's a small guy but I just don't know how tall he is he's like I never want to offend people by saying they're like 5'2 like <laughs> we're all Sharks Arena uh... and Kevin Hart it's funny that though because i'm the same even in the middleweights i'm like one of the taller middleweights a lot of middleweights like 5'8 five, 5'7 five, yeah. they're huge then in terms of like mass uh, whereas like for me i wouldn't want to be a heavyweight though because the good heavyweights are just monsters <laughs> like it's just crazy yeah. so i, yeah, I get that ever, with the lightweights do yeah and the lightweights are i think they range ever so slightly it's like five like five five to five eight seems to be the lightweights i know Berto's a little bit taller for a lightweight but then you have like somebody like babacar who's like five six five seven and he's just out of this world i didn't realize he was like around my height until 2017 and it's <laughs> it just adds much depth and layers to this game it's unreal <laughs> yeah and he he must unreal. be he must be heavyweight like body weight would be heavyweight i would imagine i can't he was a middle i believe he was a middle okay. or a light heavy at 2017 yeah I, yeah, I just wouldn't want to be in his class if anyone no. gets such uh i don't know maybe reach out to me if you want to know where babakar is because <laughs> i can't think that's a hard name to spell and i can't think how to spell it and i also don't know what his instagram username is but insane yeah. competitor like and he stays actually i've watched him in his off seasons i mean i think he's a i think this is where when success leaves clues he's like someone don't look at him for successful clues because you're so far from being babakar you probably can't follow how he's been successful yep. to a large degree. Yeah. He's such an anomaly and it's like, he's such an outlier that it's, ah, uh, it's just so cool to see though. It's so cool to witness. And so for you now, I guess in your off season, do you, you don't do a lot of like, you don't macro track really closely. Do you? you're more body weight and kind of keeping an eye on protein and th obviously mindful, like you've tracked for ages. And so it's more of a kind of habit for you now, or did you have that? And then, as you've gone into prep, are you already back onto kind of tracking everything or is there layers that you're going to introduce as you get deeper? One second. No worries. Are you fine? Okay, you're better now. Um, so yeah, when it comes, so there was, there was a slight difference uh, during this off season. So it was um, first six months, you know, post recovery, I did still semi macro track on um, I eyeballed everything. And then I started to just roll with the default diet. And that was one of the biggest 
most consistent improvements I did make to the off season. So I was, you know, ensuring, you know, taking off MPS, you know, throughout the course of the day, but also in, um, ensuring I wasn't eating like an a-hole. So that was always one of my biggest issues too, is I would kind of get a little bit lazy and I would go strictly if it fits your macros. So this time around, I decided to be more of an adult and I kind of had more structure um, within my, you know, uh, meal frequency, but also just food sources were a lot more uh, wholesome and nutrient dense from a, a micronutrient standpoint. And I did notice um, tons of improvements. So that is that is something that I am definitely, you know, going to continue on, you know, post uh, competition season. Um, so kind of at the start of prep, I, I had previously started tracking fire just to get some, you know, data, um, but also to relay that to Cliff. Um, so it was kind of a mixture. I would say it was like a 50, 50 tracking intuitive default diets, but it pretty much just, it's the same thing right now. It's, it's default meal plan, more or less four to five meals throughout the course of the day. My, my food sources are still very similar to the ones I was eating during the off season, just minus all of the additional excess snacking I may have done or just eyeballing here and there. Um, but I noticed it made the transition to prep a lot more seamless this time around which um, I definitely think I've benefited from. Hey, Pascal here. I just quickly wanted to remind you of our online coaching service. At Revive Stronger, we put a huge emphasis on the personal aspect of our coaching. And if you want to take your physique and knowledge to the next level, hit the link in the description below. Yeah, I guess you didn't, or some of the people like having those mini cuts in their, in their off season because it like gives them practice of like getting used to dieting again. Yes. But I guess you didn't have that, but probably, I don't know how much that's needed. I don't know. It feels like prep is kind of like, once you've done it in some ways, it's like you riding a bike, like you, yeah, it's a bit yeah. weird once you kind of get back into it initially, but then it's just like, it, things just keep turning. Um, this time around, obviously kind of, as you said, you've got a lot on your plate in, in that regard. Have you learned how to manage stress better have you got any kind of things that you have in your kind of day-to-day -day living or weekly living i don't know it could be meditation whatever um that you do to kind of manage stress better yeah no definitely and this is something um holmes tried to actually impart on me a few years ago that i was a little too stubborn to really employ and it was setting boundaries and i i know that sounds super easy but it's something that i always thought that i had to make myself available around the clock for everybody and I noticed, you know, especially within relationships, whether it be friendship or even with the wife, we, we both have, you know, certain specific times where we both, you know, have our own daily you know, self-care routines or we, we focus on ourselves or we have um, times or days that are more, you know, relationship focused or even with the child or with the kid. And same goes for just boundaries with social media, same goes for boundaries with clients. And it's, it's something that I've realized that has improved just overall um, well-being, but also it's it's minimized stress so much because I I, I have expectations. I, I know you know when I am available for certain people, when I'm not available, and vice versa. And if if you recall, sleep was one of my biggest issues. Yeah, <laughs> during 2019, but it's it's for the past few years too. Um, and I noticed that was it. The the biggest the biggest thing was just making myself available around the clock. So if it was, you know, 11 p.m., midnight, and, you know, somebody texted me or I got an email, I, I thought inside of my head that I had to. Like, that was something that I had to get to at that point in time. Um, and when I realized um, 
that it was doing more harm than good. And it was actually holding me back. And I started, you know, setting these boundaries. I started realizing productivity started to increase. Um, anxiety, nerves, stress started to come down. And then just overall well-being was much better. Um, and I, I found that short term so far during this prep to have been, you know, the greatest thing that I'm kind of stopping myself about during 2019. Because, again, when you're running on three to four hours of sleep, it's not the most productive environment for a prep or even being a human for that matter. <laughs> so, And that yeah. the kind of sleep not being in a great place is a very common thing for a lot of competitors at that final stage. Actually, I'm... Yes. Because I've been big on sleep for the last like few years, and particularly because I'm close with Greg Potter, who you've probably seen come on the podcast yep. quite a few times. Yep. So I'm like, I don't know. I always have to. I, don't know, I, feel, I feel almost obligated because <laughs> he's a friend now. Like I have to take care of my sleep big time. So anyway, I heard people in prep. I think it was last year. Some like people were saying how they're like running on like like three, four hours sleep. And I'm like, I have no idea how you can manage so that. So even just sleep for you, if you've level, like made that again priority yep. in off season and now in prep like your physique's going to look completely different it's going to be wild it's yeah and it's it's something that i was very stubborn i mean it was probably my own bias to be honest with you um i'm like oh yeah you, you can get by on three four five hours of sleep i'm starting to realize like just how chronically sleep deprived i was i mean just in just in regards to um you know cognition just functioning on a you know day-to-day -day basis yeah i didn't realize that's for the majority of my irritability but just not being you know really me <laughs> yeah i can like um, i guess it's you don't know until you like know in that sense like it that was your new normal in terms of kind of you were just used to not having kind of sufficient sleep and now you have sufficient sleep and it's but the way i the reason i made the kind of face is like when i don't get a good night's sleep i'm like man i'm such a like lesser version of myself so if you're always that lesser version of yourself it's kind of like ah damn so brett's going to be an amazing like you're just uh, on another level now so that's that's fantastic and i really enjoyed because in terms of stress obviously I, I brought up like meditation and i'm glad it wasn't that to be honest because i don't know like how many uh, meditation actually is very evidence-based and a lot of people can do it but like it's it's yeah. kind of nicer to have a very i think people look for i think meditation i would put it almost in like a supplement type of zone so people look oh is it ashwagandha you introduced was that the difference is like no it's never going to be the difference so kind of structure and routine like actually that sounds like that was the biggest change in your entire off season that you were just taking it yeah. through into prep which is great yeah no big time and it's and I've, I've already gone through the ash the l-theanine the melatonin I, i've tried everything from a sleep supplement you know perspective and it structure routine is is the biggest thing that i've, I've realized having you know a consistent time that you consistent meal timings consistent training timings if you can but then also a consistent sleep schedule and I've, you know, realized, you know, the older you get, adulthood, blah, 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 the more that you just have to be on top of these things because you are in control. And I, and I think it's, it's very big to communicate that with your partner or your spouse or whoever, you know, is involved within your support circle. Um, but yeah, meditation, I, I haven't delved into. I tried yoga a few times, so with wife. Ow, not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> just get it's like uh i think this is a real thing actually oh actually i was reading it's quite slight tangent but i think you'll find this interesting but i was yeah. reading david epstein um what's it called again i keep forgetting what that book's called oh the sports gene that's what it's called it's on my bookshelf okay. so i'm looking over here so anyway he, he i heard him on a podcast and he was interviewing this woman who 
just ran like a triathlon and she's like very good at these and he met her in the airport and she couldn't sit still she had to like be moving anyway so she found it stressful just sitting still and i'm like whenever i go that sounds like, like me yeah yoga like a <laughs> massage or like i don't know you go to a day spa i'm like man i'm more stressed after just like doing nothing <laughs> than doing <Yep>. something <laughs> i'm gonna so, have to buy that book <laughs> yeah, really oh, good, the sports gene yeah it's, it's a good book right now it talks a lot about basically genetics it's kind of talking about like talent versus hard work and like talking about i don't know different people and how essentially i, I think you'll relate to it a lot with a, with many things in there so awesome. i think you're one of those i would say in regards to like talent and hard work you're one of those you have talents for sure but you're not the most just gifted individual out there you have to work for what you've achieved whereas there are some people that like they could do like i don't know they're if they're that talented they're probably doing a different sport almost <laughs> like that that sort of probably. talent <laughs> if i could dunk i'd play basketball but you know <laughs> yeah actually that's the best like whenever someone says our oh, genetics mean nothing for bodybuilding or whatever it's not my genetics it's my hard work it's like you just bring up basketball players and be like so do you think you could work hard enough to be a basketball player like be the best in the nba and they're like five foot six and you're like well, you haven't got a chance you know so nope. I know Berto said like bodybuilding is one of the most genetically determined sports, which is kind of crazy to think about actually uh, in many ways, but you can do a lot still like yourself. Yeah. Um, in terms of, I wanted to talk about obviously Cliff, I guess, is he running your training as well? Or are you taking control of that element? Nope, that's uh, Yeah, that's me. So he's just, he's a talent in nutrition. I check in with him. He's uh, tells me what to do afterwards. And we keep it as super simplistic. Um, he, he, I initially wanted to ask if I wanted help with, you know, supplementation or training. I'm like, no, I, I've been doing this for so long. I was debating on having Helms do my training at the you know, same time, but I'm like, you know, it, I can more or less program myself from a bodybuilding perspective. Sure. Um, plus, I know Helms is super duper busy with Bryce and Jessica. So decided, you know, why not? <laughs> yeah, for sure. How does your, has your training changed? I, I know people actually probably think it's changed, but obviously you've just described you're powerlifting and now you've gone into the, like yeah. back to bodybuilding kind of thing. But has your perspective changed at all this off season or in, anything in that regard? Or how's that looking for you? I mean, I, I would, I mean, on the surface level to a lot of people, it's going to look like it's more, it's more hardcore, I suppose, in more top set back offsets. Um, I, I guess just from like a, sequencing perspective it's it's a little it's not as full body or powerlifting intensive as you know what eric had programs but it's it's very reminiscent of how i trained previously just with how i've structured training it's push pull off you know push pull legs um but each you know day you know push days have you know extra arm work and you know my pull days actually start off with direct arm work first and then it carries on into you know your back movements um, legs are only being trained once. So I suppose that's probably the biggest difference because I used to split it up into two sessions throughout the week, but I realized, uh, just due to them being a little bit more, um, just from a genetic, uh, standpoint, they don't require as much volume. They don't require as much intensity. Um, plus I'm still maneuvering around that, like lower back hip glute issue that I've had for the past year ish. Um, so I'm just able to really give a little bit more attention just to upper body since that's, you know, been the Achilles steel my entire career. Um, but I think, I, I think just in terms of just like sequencing within a session, it might look a little bit different um, on paper. So like for some of my 
um, pull sessions, I'll start off the biceps and then I'll, you know, do two to three, you know, direct bicep movements, throw in a lateral raise movement and then go on to my back movements. And I haven't seen any negatives associated with, you know, performance. So I find that's just allowed to retain tissue a little bit better with arms. Plus when you tack them on at the end of the session, your focus effort kind of dips a little bit. Yeah. And it's just another way to not have a direct arm day. Every sure. now and then I might, but <laughs> no, it's, that's really interesting. And I guess it's it's good oh. for the the listeners to know. Like, it's kind of like I get it. your legs are almost at maintenance, and then you'll put. Are yes. you, they still at one session a week during dieting as well? Actually, are they are. So they are. They are currently, but I'm dependent. So I, I'm training legs after this uh, podcast. So. De- depending how the next two to three weeks play out given you know the phase that we're digging currently which is the only fun i suppose that i have for this currently um depending because at the moment the amount of volume that i'm currently performing for my one leg session it's starting to get a little bit excessive and you know as, as prep prolongs you might want to split it up into two, two sessions so i'm probably going to be venturing down that route and you mentioned digging the listeners some of them are probably going to want to know what, what does that what does that look like for you at the moment how does it differ to other phases yeah so i mean every, i mean i don't know if whoever might be listening um i've always been looked at as like oh the the person who diets on high carbs they're able to right. you know get get by on like a higher intake with performing no cardio um so this time around since no prep is ever the same um we've had to make adjustments almost like every single week so oh, for wow. the past, yeah, past, yeah. So, so for the past eight weeks, um, we've made around I want to say six adjustments. Um, so, given the time schedule, given the season that I set out for myself, first show is nine twenty four. Um, so we're three months out. It looks like three months and two weeks. Um, we want to get ahead of the pace, so we're embarking on a digging phase. So I know macros don't really matter that much, but my carbs are at 220, which is the lowest, you know, they've probably ever reached this early into a contest prep. That's that's normally reserved for like maybe four to six weeks out from like a warm-up show. Um why? I don't know. Um I have some speculation. It could be, you know, due to stress from the past, you know, previous months and years. Um, but again, I'm I don't really look at it every single prep as being the same. So I'm just gonna more or less do what is required to get there and you know put my head down get through this little digging phase i've been here before i'm no stranger to starving myself so (laughs) gonna do what i have to do and uh it's very i know uh cliff is very big on making change like if something if you're not kind of on target a change is made i know he's very big on that so that doesn't it, it kind of sounds like a lot of changes to me because i've always been on like i don't know i try and go on the other end but sometimes especially when you have a like for and i think for listeners who are more gen pop they're probably like oh it sounds like a lot of changes but when you do have a deadline and for you especially brett when you are you need to be at that competitive level like you don't want to turn up any less of like kind of the most competitive you can be than at all so you're very happy also to take like let's see a change like let's see a change oh yeah uh but i guess it and i imagine those changes some of them are fairly like they're not like i don't know huge they're like small adjustments to just see if that's enough to kick you in the right direction type of thing yeah 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 so cliff and i are like um cliff you and me are actually i mean tons of others i would assume are, are very similar when it comes to making those adjustments in the beginning so 
Um, first few weeks, we only made very minor adjustments, 10 to 20 grams reduced. See, see if the scale gets moving. Okay, nothing's moving. All right, let's remove, you know, two to four grams of fat. All right, nothing's moving. Let's make a, you know, slightly bigger adjustment, 20 grams here. Um, I want to say the past two weeks, another like 20, you know, 20 gram reduction. But this past week was kind of like the, I would, I guess, drop in the hammer, so to speak. Right. We, we removed uh, 70 grams of carbs, which is pretty, pretty big jump. And then yeah. refeed day got dropped down. I think it was like 60 grams as well. So, I mean, about three, I think it's like a 300 calorie reduction, give or take. Sure. Um, and, but yeah. And I know refeed days are something that you've always tended to have in a, a prep, right? Yes. For myself, I've always responded relatively well to one to two, um, upwards of three, you know, depending on you know how depleted I may be. Um, but definitely when I self-coached myself, it was, it was... Yeah, double or at least triple refeeds, you know, throughout the week. And when you're attacking them at the moment, not attacking them, that sounds so weird. When you're using them <laughs> at the moment, that's <laughs> like attacking. For some reason, that makes sense in my bodybuilding head, attacking a refeed. Uh, when you're, <laughs> you're going through a refeed, uh, what does that tend to look like for you? Is it carbs raising up and you're just increasing kind of current food sources or? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a big that's a big difference uh, in something that I've um, preached to my clients too. Um past few years when you get a refeed don't necessarily reintroduce foods that you haven't been eating obviously you can get some cravings out here and there but i definitely think you should treat it more like a robotic bodybuilder at that point and just increase you know the carbs that you were normally consuming just so there isn't any inconsistency within you know the sources that could either you know um detract from the look from the scale you know etc um but with cliff uh fat intake gets bumped up a little bit about three to five grams and then carbs get increased as well. So the only difference from what I had previously done, I just used to just increase carbs and not fat intake. So, okay. and then protein gets lowered ever so slightly. Okay. Um, I, for some reason, all I got in my head is a pop tart. <laughs> I was thinking, <laughs> oh, you got some fats, you got some carbs. The pop tart's the perfect solution there. That's, from, you, that's you're probably not, you're not You're not eating the pop tart <laughs> um, at the moment. It's, it's funny you say that because I think uh, I was with my stepson the other day at Walmart and we were in the breakfast aisle and he was looking at pop tarts for the first time forever. He's like, which one are your favorites again? And I'm like, oh, it's been a long time. <laughs> I'm like the confetti, and I noticed they rebranded the name of it. I thought that was funny. That is funny. So, haven't had a pop tart in forever. <laughs> I hadn't. And for, it's weird how you go through. I bought them the other day. I was like, I'm just gonna try one. Like I'm in that point in my gaining phase where I'm like, just I need to. <laughs> you know, you just have to get the food in. Um, but I suppose you don't actually probably hit because it sounds like in your off seasons you tend to quite like you could keep going. Like it's almost you have to kind of hold yourself back a little bit or do you get to that point as well where you're like having to make choices just to get calories in for calories sake yeah no there there was def- so when i had to cause i my body did not like the 180s so i almost i almost got up i, I was almost a real man so i almost got up into the 190s i was i was trying to get to <laughs> that two, I, I, was, I was trying to get to that two i wanted to just touch 200 super bloated at night Never happened, so I'm not a real man. But <laughs> <laughs> there were points. There were points during that like push-up phase where I just like like anybody else. Like it's it was uncomfortable. It was sure. hot. It was humid, and so, there were there were moments in time where like the majority of my calories were from liquid calories, so Gatorade, fruit juices. But then I would sprinkle in pop tarts, fruit snacks here and there. 
but then afterwards I would just let my body weight fluctuate, just let satiety just regulate things. And I would, you know, allow body weight to come back down. Then I would continue eating back up. But no, there were, there were definitely weeks at a time where just like yourself, I had to kind of force feed myself to hold that weight. And it's, it's funny, like with bodybuilding there, you're never, you're never content with either spectrums. I feel you're either too uncomfortable force feeding foods, you know, continue making gains or you're starving yourself and eating high volume foods sometimes. <laughs> and it's, and it's like within that gray area, people don't want to be, I feel. But yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not super nice. Oh, actually that's something <clears throat> where has your perspective changed at all? And I'd actually don't know what your original perspective was. So, or where is your head at in terms of like pushing up? Because obviously you didn't push up quite as much. That was kind of strategic in terms of not having to take off huge amounts of weight. But do you feel like pushing to that kind of degree of discomfort is almost required or for some people? Yeah, I think I think is I think it kind of scales with training age. Training age and I and I suppose like I guess we can ask like how close we are to our genetic ceiling. I just think past like a certain level of advancement in training age and career. I think you're doing more harm than good, especially from like a health perspective, continue driving a body weight for the sake of it in hopes of, you know, gaining that half a pound, a gram of, you know, lean tissue just to have to sacrifice it and diet all the way back down. Um, but I definitely think there's merit like in your teen years, your early twenties, especially if you are far, far and away from like your genetic ceiling. Um, I think you can get a little bit more dirtier from a push-up phase, you know, standpoint, but when you're in your, 30s mid 30s 40s how much how much lean tissue are you really putting on getting sloppier is, is what i is what i do question um I'm, I'm still a little mixed with that because we still see you know somebody like jeff you know jeff alberts he doesn't necessarily stay too lean you know from a bodybuilder perspective but he's still able to make proof yeah um we see it with the kent beerleys we see uh, Marshall Johnson, he's still making improvements, but he stays more on the relatively leaner side, I I would say. And then even with like, you know, the Ayatomasis, uh, Paul, he's in his 50s too. He's still making improvements also. But he's about like 20, maybe 30 pounds above stage weight. So I think like looking at the success of like those that are at the top, you know, looking at the genetic outliers for one, and then also looking at maybe the mid-tier pros too. Like they're hanging out anywhere between like 20 and 40 pounds above stage weight, dependent on height, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, th I think the younger you are, the more you can get away with it. I think as you advance, I think it should come down a little bit. Um, how about you though? What, what's your perspective on that? Because I know you... Hi guys, Steve here. Just wanted to take a moment of your time to remind you of our online coaching service. At Revive Stronger, we pride ourselves on providing personalized service that will take your physique and knowledge to the next level. If you're interested, check the description and sign up. Yeah, I, I tend to... It's a hard one. <laughs> I, I come back to... This is the, the way I try and get an answer to this question that feels right in that when I think about yeah. what's growing muscle, it's training performance. And so yes. I think you want to be a, a body composition where you're performing well and you feel good. So yeah. for some people that might be a bit leaner, for some people that might mean, like you <clears> said, like pushing 40 pounds above stage weight till they actually feel like they're 
even like hormone levels and their like libidos yeah. back to normal like if you're still struggling to get i don't know a libido like your libido when you're like 20 pounds above stage weight you probably need to push it up a little bit more assuming it hasn't just like happened in the last like month after show because obviously there's a time component there so that that's where i tend to sit and i just struggle to think i don't know for myself like 200 pounds it's funny you bring that up because i've only got up there <laughs> once ever and people wow. have been asking like are you going to push above that this time and i'm like i just don't know how worthwhile it will be because for me to get above 200 pounds i feel awful <laughs> and yeah, uh, yeah. it just takes away from how i feel day to day and then training performance isn't as good recovery is not as good and i can't imagine that's productive for me whereas for another person listening probably a lot of people listening they're like i could easily 510 like i can get to 200 pounds i can push to 220 or whatever i'm like great if you can do that and you can train well and i guess not look too sloppy i guess that's something to bear in mind at least take some kind of mini cuts to make it look a bit better some of the time yes. and travel up uh, but yeah, it's, that's where I try and I try and find like a rational answer of, okay, training performance is most important. So whatever body comp is driving that the best, but it's hard. And I, no, it, it really is. And I feel like it, it might, the goalpost might change like maybe every off season. Sure. And I have something, something I've realized too. And like, I think I was talking to Jan about this a few years ago. I've noticed like past a certain, past a certain body weight leverages just go to crap too, even during the off season. And so, we, we sometimes only think of it on the way down, but I've noticed, especially being productive, you know, having a productive training environment, you know, to continue uh, pushing performance up from, I think for some, like during the off season, not necessarily from like a cardiovascular standpoint, but I just think leverages an ability to perform red lines. And if you've, if you've ever noticed anything, like when you mini cut or when you're coming down from a contest prep, you you might reach a certain body weight range where performance and everything is just rock solid. And I think it was Bertle that like made mention of this. I think it was like with his powerlifters. He's, he's noticed his powerlifters perform the best when they slightly, you know, mini cuts, not necessarily down to the weight that they're going to be competing at, but it, it forces them to one, be a little bit more habitual, but a little bit more um, intensive an effort focused towards like what they're doing, like with the task at hand. And it, it kind of makes me want, and performance still goes up linearly. Uh, it makes me wonder if you necessarily do have to continue driving body weight up or if you could maybe go up within a five to seven pound range, come back down, and then just, you know, continue rinse repeating that process. Now, obviously it would, you know, require one to two years, you know, to put forth almost like a spinning the wheels effort, but like, just something that i question too yeah. that, I, that i wonder but because you see sorry um you see somebody oh. like uh like taylor atwood for instance really good power lifter and the best power lifters if, if we you know monitor them obviously from like a hypertrophy standpoint they're not always growing but they're continuously getting better block in block out year in year out and i and i do think body composition doesn't improve over the course of that time so maybe something we could learn from them but yeah, it's a, so much <laughs> it's a tough one because i am i'm almost to the point where i'm almost anti body recomposition just because i already yep. think it's so hard to gain muscle that i just hate the idea of someone doing working so hard to gain this muscle and then just maintaining and being like uh, maybe you grew but you quite possibly yep. just maintained the same yeah <laughs> so and that's why i'm yeah no that's that's kind of why i am like all right maybe so if you push up, then you're going to actually have that, you know, objective. Okay. 
I did gain, therefore I probably did put on some tissue. And it's also, it, it sells to the client too. Like if you're the yeah. same body weight, same this, same that, it's like, oh, am I really improving? Yeah. We don't know. <laughs> so I'm glad we've got that kind of, yeah, that agreement. And you didn't do that in your offseason because that's what it, I thought you may have done in terms of like holding your body weight and then just kind of going up. But you actually, you weren't doing that at all, which makes much more sense to me. I think that's, for me, at least more logical and that is a, the approach you're kind of describing is almost what I did last off season, which I think went really well for me. But I do think I used, you can use mini cuts too often and I'm trying to yes. in this instance be a bit more sparing with my implementation of them. So only using them as like a, when I really need it, not just, ah, oh, I could just throw one in now because I feel pretty good, but also dieting doesn't sound like the worst thing. I'm like, no, I need an actual reason to be using that because as you said, like you surplus that whole time because- every time you take yourself out of that you're stopping growing and you're now potentially inc- impacting it's kind of like you build momentum as well in that kind of period yes. of time when you're gaining yes and that's what's kind of similar to like how i'll map somebody's now macro cycle out it's like i'll you know have a paradigm set up for like the amount of lean gaining to maintenance to uh, mini cutting but if you know everything's going really smooth and you know we might have a maintenance you know prior to a mini cut upcoming I want to continue milking that. And, and I think the same should be, you know, said for our off season or improvement seasons. If you're, if you're looking good, performance is good. You want hating food. You aren't, you know, super fatigued. I think continue gaining because that's just more deposits into the hypertrophy bucket. So, and especially like at the levels of, you know, bodybuilding, how much ball that more time gaining is, you know, just going to be a little bit more conducive. I feel towards the, the end goal absolutely awesome brett i want to make sure people know you mentioned a show you're doing the first show of the season what's your are you allowed are you happy to reveal like the dates of shows and when you're planning yeah, to yeah, compete? Yeah. yeah just so people Actually, know and they can follow along i don't know how much you're hoping to document i imagine as much as whatever is least stressful <laughs> because it can be stressful no, to document it as a competitor i know how stressful that can be yeah, no, that's something I've actually wanted to do a little bit better this time around. Since last prep, I wasn't really able to document as much. Um, so I, I haven't had any glute st- shots yet. <laughs> you haven't? No, you haven't. <laughs> so I actually posted up my if I can find it, my show schedule. All right, here so this is on your Instagram? It is, yes. Yep. I uh, so- clearly missed it. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, my, my posting is, yeah, my post, no, my posting is meant like in the morning. I just, I'll post something, bounce, and that's it. Um, so my 2022 show schedule at the moment, I'm going to try to do more shows if I can. Um, since this is going to be one of my last seasons for a while, given the expansion of the family and everything. Um, so 924 is going to be the WMBF Pro Universe. So that's going to be the show with Birdo and a few others. Uh, and I am so funny. damn excited. So damn excited. That's, it's been one of my bucket list goals for my entire career is getting to be on the same stage as Bruto. So I'm really looking forward to that. First few shows are going to be from ups, so I'm not going to be in peak condition. Um, glutes won't be entirely healed. Um, then my second show is going to be the Mr. America. So that'll be October 8th. And that's, I don't believe that has a sanction or anything. I'm just mainly doing that just due sure. to being able to compete against like the best of the best. I want to get stomped by Meshack. He's <laughs> incredible competitor. Uh, third show um, is up in the air at the moment. I'm deciding between 
the OCB Cape Cod or the WMBF Monster Mash, which um, is another show that's hosted by Nancy Andrews, who also runs that WMBF Pro Universe. Fourth show is going to be the OCB New York State Natural. I intend on doing that as an amateur just to compete. It's going to be a little bit more local. It's up in Syracuse, New York. And then final show is going to be WMBF Worlds. And that's, you know, the, the end goal. Um, hopefully they have a Bantam class. If they don't, I'll have to battle it out with all the lightweights. But I'm really looking forward to it. Is that in Miami? So if you've heard a few people say Miami for Worlds. I think it's in, I think it's back in Cali again. Let me oh, okay. double check really. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm like 90, Oh, maybe next, sure. next year might be in Miami, actually. That might be what I think, I'm yeah, next, next year it's going to be back on the East Coast, yeah. It's, it was supposed to be in either Boston or New York this year, but they're keeping it in uh, Cali. Yep, it's in LA. So I'll get to pop that cherry of being in Cali. Uh, you haven't been Can't to California wait. yet. I have not. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, though. Uh, that's exciting. Yeah, I guess it's nice having the local shows sometimes. Well, no, it's always better to have local <laughs> shows. It's, it's not, like it's yeah. fine traveling, but ideally you want them local so you can don't know, have everything in your environment and you don't have the stress of travel sometimes can be difficult. But I suppose you have quite a bit of experience with like traveling to shows and you obviously helped me with my travel to uh, Vegas yeah. and everything, which I probably yeah, no, had, I you probably saw. looked at me and was like, <laughs> well, I was way over analyzing <laughs> everything. <laughs> No, you were actually so no, I've had so you've you've flown way more than I have. So I've only flown once. And that was actually okay. for the Max Height show that was Chris Barricat and Chris Alkin's show sure. back in twenty nineteen. Um so for worlds it'll be an entirely different experience having to fly out to worlds. So I've always drove the worlds. So I've I drove down to Boston and I drove down to New York. Um, but nothing nothing is gonna be my drive down to New York City. It was like Thursday nights. We had to drive at like 10 p.m. And I didn't get into New York until I think it was like three or four in the morning. I had Polly at like six in the morning. So it was a, it was a crap show. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, we're hoping ideally to land in Cali like Wednesday, maybe Tuesday, Wednesday of that week. Sure. So I have Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, nice. So Cliff will be there too. So I'm looking forward to meeting oh, Cliff in person. So that's exciting. I'm excited, man. I'm excited, especially with the 3DMJ family. I'll be in there too. I can't wait. Yeah, are you gonna uh, be? Uh, I have no plans to be there at the moment. I don't have any clients who are, are going to be competing there. Not at the moment, anyway. Unless someone like randomly reaches out to me, and I'm like, yeah, let's go, and <laughs> I get my my ticket to Worlds. <laughs> I would be there if I had a client. At the moment, I'm not sure that I'll be able to make the trip there. But it it's was an amazing experience to like meet so many people so i know you'll have like an incredible time you'll be like a, a little mini celebrity everyone want to come and get a picture of you in the glutes so <laughs> <laughs> that'll be exciting um so yeah, this is really cool. a, just to reflect this is your third pro season right how many seasons before you went pro so what's this like your how many seasons have you done total now it's funny so i was actually just reflecting on that because i've only i've done four seasons okay wow yeah you yeah, went for a quick it's see you say that it's it's weird to think of it like that because those four seasons like encapsulated i think it was 10 years almost it's really weird to think of so yeah my first season was 2019 i only did one show my second season was 2011 i did like 10 shows and then i took six years off and i came back in 2017 wow, yeah. and yeah 
So this will be my fifth, fifth yeah, fifth year competing. Or fifth cra- season. I didn't realize you had that crazy hiatus. That's actually yeah, mad to think about <laughs> that amount of time. Yeah. And I mean, I wonder like what, what if almost sometimes sure. like, with that hiatus. So, but. And I just had one kind of final question for you, Brett, for those who are obviously loads, I think natural bodybuilding is attracting more and more kind of the younger generation. It's getting a bit more popular. Exactly. I think partly social media is doing that. Do you have any advice for those who are like coming up through the sport? Obviously you've been competing a long time. You've seen it evolve. What kind of thoughts do you have towards those who are coming up through it? No, it's, um, it's going to sound really cliche, but find a mentor, find a mentor that you can learn from, be educated from, ask questions. Don't, don't ever stop asking questions and put in, you know, hundred percent efforts, but then also realize that you have to have patience, especially for natural body. Um, the sport and again it's cliche but it's it's literally like watching paint dry especially if you don't have that genetic response that you thought you were going to have and yeah get really 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 good at the basics but again find somebody that you can learn under and you know learn as much as you can but also enjoy enjoy the process and the journey of it because it, it it's it's weird reflecting on the past 10 years because i i can still remember when i was 19 when i was 21 and it and it it really does happen like that. So delayed gratification. That's that's the name of the game with the sport I have found. It really that, is. That defines bo- natural bodybuilding. I guess bodybuilding yeah. as a whole, but more the, the natural side because it's so slow, <laughs> comparative. Time, uh, yeah. so, <laughs> and it's actually great knowing as well because you had that, obviously you had that six years off then you competed. You could have quite easily like fallen out of love with it in that time, but you you fell back in love yeah. with it, and that's really nice to see as well, because I yeah. think that's that's what you need to keep leveling up in this. Oh, I keep saying level up, but keep improving. Like you said, it's a very slow process. Sometimes you don't even know if anything's, anything's happening. Like paint drying, like you said, that analogy yeah. is perfect. So you just have to put in your best efforts, and like you said, fall in love with that process. So it's really nice to see. I think people are going to be very interested to follow the journey have you got you haven't shared any um physique shots on your uh, page have you recently no do I you have a time you you might do that or is it like when you feel good and ready to or are you keeping think, it under wraps um Keep so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking i'm thinking maybe crack into the 160s i'm thinking like right around like maybe lower 160s mid 160s is what i'm thinking of because i think that was my last physique update and i want to I don't want to post anything. There's there's tons of improvements now that could be seen, but they're you know taking a natural lighting, and you know how social media is. You want to make it the most drastic of a change where it's like, oh okay, I can see the improvements, and it's that's another thing I've been like battling back and forth with. The wife told me that I should probably post not in order, so post older pictures to kind of build up hype. Um, but I, I feel you know quite a bit of pressure, like having having to show improvements, just given. That's right. And that's, that's like another thing that people do. They don't really speak on them as much. I feel within like social media, but also within competitive bodybuilding, like the amount of pressure that, you know, does get placed upon an athlete to, you know, perform, but also improve and meet expectations of either those that look up to you or your followers for that matter. But 160s, I'll definitely probably share an update. The, the key, Brett, is not to be very good. <laughs> then you have <Yes>. no pressure. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's what i find i'm like no one expects me to be that outrageous so uh, i have no pressure here it's like everything i do is good uh whereas yeah for you you're already pro people are expecting big things especially i guess for someone yeah. like yourself you did become notorious for the glute shreds and everything like that so i'm i have no doubt that it's all going to come in you're going to feel much more confident as like the the condition comes through i'm, I'm sure you feel pretty confident now but it will your confidence will just spike as you see that like all the condition come through earlier and you're just like oh, okay here it is now i'm coming through yes. uh yes. i know just because of my personal experience there as well where it was like oh like i never saw my quads at this weight or whatever it is so yeah once that kicks in once you're through you're kind of in that i guess what uh, jeff alberts calls like the tweener stage tweener. where it's like you're yeah. not quite shredded <laughs> you're not quite like bulky so it's like uh, yeah. it's that uncomfortable stage so yeah best yeah. of luck with the digging and uh, thank, thank you. you for taking the time to come on actually everyone needs to thank brett big time because uh, we are now like running the podcast for over five years we've never missed a weekend right <laughs> i almost had to i was like it felt like i was guilt tripping brett to come on not that i needed to because you were coming on anyway um, yeah. and i was like oh man i don't <laughs> want to miss a podcast this weekend so thank you for for being here really appreciate it and i'm sure yeah. we'll do another one of these in a few months time probably when you're in the 160s and your That's face lovely. will be looking deathly and <laughs> we'll be talking goal. more <laughs> so thank you yeah, for coming no. on and yeah, thank, you, thank you for having me steve thank you for having me on thank you and yeah for sure people again like i said bathtub over on instagram make sure you're following because I think it's going to be an interesting journey to stage and a fun one. It's always fun with Brett as well, because as you've listened, he's kind of very personable and isn't like, I don't know, some bodybuilders who like to be hardcore all the time. You're very real about the process and making a laugh about it and enjoying the process. So I, I really appreciate that about Brett. So guys, thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you. So I'm Steve Hall, founder of Revive Stronger and a coach of Revive Stronger. My name is Pascal Floor. I'm the co-owner of Revive Stronger and also a coach, of course. Revive Stronger has probably been going solidly for three years, probably roughly about three years. Revive Stronger, to me, it is becoming kind of my child, my foster child. It's the gathering and getting together of like-minded people. We've been expanding the coaching team, which is helping us help more people. Uh, but each coach can only help a certain number of people. Right now, it's all over the place. We have YouTube, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, but there isn't that community aspect behind that. And so the next step for us is developing a membership site. So basically, we want to create a family and a community that is then benefiting from another. A really cool community for people within our little niche is going to be a website. They will get early access to our podcast. You can access us, ask us questions, the community aspect. We have a forum there. You can ask questions, but also you can, you can lock your journey. There's also going to be courses on there, courses, presentations on different topics, discount of past seminar footage. We will log our journey as well. We'll start vlogging. We're gonna have documentaries, our entire athletic journey. Furthermore, they get access to an exercise video library. The exercises that we love for hypertrophy and maximizing hypertrophy, we're gonna go through those in depth, telling you how to execute them. We kept them concise and also mobile friendly so that you can watch them in between your sets. I'm super excited to grow this community. The amount of value that we're gonna be delivering is huge. And I'd love you to be part of it. You will get so much out of that.
I'll see you inside. 